Welcome to the sermon podcast for Grace Episcopal Church in Newton, Massachusetts for Ash Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. I'm Regina Walton, pastor and rector. Thanks for listening. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Pope Francis, as well as the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, have asked the global church to pray and fast for peace in Ukraine as part of our Ash Wednesday commemorations this year. Uh, This prayer for Ukraine is from the Corimila community of Northern Ireland, an intentional Christian community that works for conflict resolution and peace across the globe. Let us pray. God who sees the weakness in acts of naked aggression, God who feels the fear in moments of acute helplessness, cure this warring madness and shield all who fall in harm's way. Leech the poison from the mind that thinks strength is shown in a bullying force. And may an equal strength in solidarity give resolve to those whose aim is to protect and respect, not just the ones we call our own, but all with whom we can share a better, more peaceful world. Amen. Amen. About five years ago, I found myself driving into Dorchester on an errand to wire money to an Anglican bishop in South Sudan, which is not a typical weekday activity for me. I had been asked to do this by a a scholar friend, actually someone I knew through the George Herbert Society, uh, who was a retired academic and an Episcopalian in upstate New York. And Greg's church had a long connection to uh, several congregations in South Sudan, and they had traveled there many times on mission. And as fighting broke out once more, their friends in South Sudan were in great danger and the church in New York had taken up a collection, but the closest bank that they were able to find that was able to reliably wire the money overseas was in Boston, and I was one of the only people that Greg knew in Boston, so he asked me. And I arrived uh, in Dorchester, and I parked, and I showed up at the address that I had been given, um, expecting the facade of a bank, but instead I was at a falafel shop, And I double-checked the address, and I looked on the rest of the block to see if maybe the bank was a few doors down, but nope, it was a falafel shop. So I went in, and the man at the counter asked for my order, and I said, I I actually am here to wire money. And he said, oh, and pointed, and I looked over, and there was a little clerk's window at the very edge of the restaurant, and in fact, there was a small line of people who were uh, there also to wire money. And uh, so that is what I did. And I was glad that I was able to play, you know, a little part in um, getting some funds from one church to another at a really desperate time. Um, But it was a reminder to me that uh, something that was such an unusual experience for me is just part of normal, everyday life for so many Americans, for so many people here, 
um, constantly reaching out across the globe to send support and funds to their communities of origin, to family and friends whose struggles are not uh, heard much on the news, often, often are invisible to many of us in uh, the one-third world of economic privilege, which so often overlaps with white privilege, geographic privilege. I've been reminded of this in a more personal way recently. My father's grandparents immigrated from Ukraine in the early 20th century from central and western Ukraine. My maiden name, Lava, is Ukrainian. They came because of the violent political uprisings in the years before the Russian Revolution. But those uprisings kept happening. And uh, my great-grandfather, who had immigrated himself, Fedor Laba, sponsored many of his relatives uh, and others he knew to come to this country, especially in the years after World War II. Um, and some people know this, some people don't, but uh, in 1924, immigration from Eastern and Southern Europe became much, much more restricted. So it was very difficult uh, for people from those countries, um, Catholic countries, uh, to come here. So you really needed to know someone. My father is still close with one of those cousins of his who arrived with her family um, from a, a refugee camp after World War II. Many people did not know until uh, recently that Ukraine was the country that had the highest number of fatalities after World War II, uh, both Jews and Christians. Both groups were targeted by the Nazis, the Slavic people were targeted by the Nazis, uh, though the Christians, as in my family, uh, usually ended up enslaved in work camps rather than sent to concentration camps. And then the great famine caused by Stalin killed more millions. It's been a little strange for me to see so many Americans suddenly learning the history of Ukraine and caring about it, um, and also learning what I learned long ago from many, many family stories, which is that the Ukrainian people are tough as nails, which I think we have seen. Um, and even a few weeks ago, I read a story in the Washington Post, and I looked at the comments, and you're never supposed to look at the comments, but even you know, two weeks ago, so many comments saying, this place doesn't matter. You know, what is this place that you know, the nations of the world should go to war over it? You know, let Russia have it. It's of no account. People care about Ukraine now because it's clear that the situation is going to affect all of Europe and even us in the United States pretty profoundly. For me, this conflict is somewhat personal because we have family there, family whom my aunt has visited, uh, people who we know a little bit. Uh, my father's cousin, Vasilena, who was the one who was um, in a German work camp with her family and then immigrated with her husband and daughters, never forgot her sister's families. Um, for decades, she sent them a box of goods uh, every month, just like those African folks who were in line with me in Dorchester who were not forgetting those people that they had left behind. Ash Wednesday is a day that strips away all of our false pretenses about our own security and our own invulnerability. Ash Wednesday reminds us that no matter our 
family, no matter our history, our circumstances, the wealth or privilege we might have, we are all part of the human family. And that means that each of our lives is a limited time offer. We are each of us on loan from God, and eventually we will each be called back to God. But Ash Wednesday and the readings that we've heard today, especially the reading from Isaiah, remind us, too, that the personal is political. The separation that we can feel from other human families around the globe is, in fact, an illusion. The fast that, God's want, that God wants from us is one that strips away the yoke of injustice, one that lets the oppressed go free. And this kind of liberation is not only the work of nations and elected leaders, so it is certainly their work, but it's the work of each one of us. Our individual human lives are deeply intertwined with the human lives of everybody else on this planet. And part of our work as Christians is to work for the freedom of others in this short time that we have. So Ash Wednesday, in a sense, is this yearly dose of truth about our shared vulnerability and also our shared communion with each other and with God. And that's why we receive the bread of life with ashes on our heads. I will shortly invite you to a Holy Lent. You've made a good start by being here or by watching online. This Lent, I want to invite you to consider what false beliefs are keeping you blinded to the reality of your own vulnerability and to the truth of your deep connection with all people across the globe. What one thing could you do in the next six weeks that would dismantle some of that illusion and allow you to receive the blessing of deeper relationship with those on the margins. You don't have to look far. Right now at Grace, there is a small group of people working with asylum seekers and with some F Afghan refugees who have just arrived. You could join them or support their work. There's a small team hoping that we'll have enough volunteers to do some work this summer with the Be Safe summer camps in Boston. You could join them. There's a small group that uh, tomorrow night will attend a training online by the Greater Boston Interfaith Organization. You could join them. And there's countless ways to remove that distance that we feel between us and our neighbors whether those are neighbors in greater Boston or in New England or across the globe. Our separation from others is a lie told to us by the father of lies. What little piece of that lie could you break off and throw away this month? That little crack in the false armor that we all wear might be enough space for God to infuse your life with a grace that you never imagined. I'll close with another prayer from the Corrymeela community in Ireland that was written for Ash Wednesday this year. Let us pray. God of the dust we were before, 
God of the dust we will become. God of the breath that has brought this dust to life. Each day contains a miracle bounded by our mortality. In this season, we mark ourselves as creatures dependent on you, drawn up from a shared earth and separated from each other only by a desire to be more than we are. May we who will return to the earth use these days to draw closer to you and to all those who share this earth, this breath, this animating love that can bring even ash to life. In God's name. Amen.